In this portion of WGTD's morning show, we're going to be talking about uh, a tragic topic, namely human trafficking. The title of the novel that we're going to be talking about is actually Inhuman Trafficking. And in, of course, many respects, this, uh, this awful industry is inhuman in which, uh, in the, in which the way people are, are treated. And we're going to be talking with uh, someone who has written a legal thriller that touches on this theme. His name is Mike Pompantonio, and uh, he is actually an attorney who has also devoted some of his time and energy uh, to penning fiction that springs from his own life uh, as a lawyer, taking on, uh, for instance, the tobacco industry or big pharma or uh, the automobile uh, industry, uh, any sort of sectors in which corporate greed uh, causes uh, misery to a wide array of, of, of human beings. And um, perhaps you know him as host of America's Lawyer and as co-host of the syndicated radio program Ring of Fire. And uh, again, he is the co-author of uh, this brand new uh, novel, which is called Inhuman Trafficking. Uh, his previous books include Law and Disorder, Law and Vengeance, and Law and Addiction. This latest book is published by Skyhorse Publishing, co-written with Alan Russell. Mike uh, Pampantonio, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you, Greg. I appreciate it. Can you just say a, a quick word about what prompted you to want to take some of your time and devote it to the writing of fiction? Uh, did anything in particular prompt you to shift well, your, your energies in that way? Yeah, when we filed the first uh, human trafficking, what, what you call a national case, an MDL case, we filed it up in Ohio. Uh, because of that, we are face to face with so many people who have been who've had to live through that experience. And when you hear the stories, something's very clear. The, the stories aren't being told. And the, there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, first of all, it's, it's difficult to even want to think about when you hear some of the stories, what these young ladies go through. But secondly, I don't, I don't know that corporate America, a corporate media has done a really great job telling the stories. I don't know that regulators have done even half the job that they should have done getting it under control all the way up to the Department of Justice. So when you hear the stories, you say they've got to be, they've got to be told. And what I see is the cases that we filed, and I think we're handling more, my law firm probably handles more human trafficking cases than any firm in the country. And I think because of that, we see up close what this means. Uh, we talk about pandemics all the time. This is, this is far worse than anything you can imagine. Hmm. One of the uh, focuses of this particular novel is that your, your main character uh, is pursuing a case against a conglomerate of, of motels and travel lodges, I think hundreds of mm, them across mm, the country. Mm. Welcome Matt Hospitality, I think is yes, the name of yes. the company. And uh, they are suspected to be sort of a front for a huge human trafficking uh, operation. Is, is this the kind of thing that you have seen and that actually exists in which human trafficking occurs on, on that kind of scale? Or are we talking about something uh, in which uh, it is sort of more individual in its in its sort of application? I, and and uh, yeah, I'd like to say that it's I'd like to say it's fiction, but it's not. 
fault. It's just not, Greg. You've got Wall Street involved in this. Wall Street, Wall Street finance is a huge part of this in so many ways. You've got the hotel industry that has just turned their just just turned their head and ignored it because it's so many ways it's profitable to them. But the the reason there's a reason, for example, that corporate media doesn't talk about the stories that are already emerging, because what we're finding is some of the biggest hotel chains in the country clearly know what's happening when you have uh, when you have the porn industry, somebody that is saying, well, we need some new films. We need films of 14 and 15 year old girls being raped. And we know that those that's taken place in hotel rooms. It's in it's in suites where people bring in cameras and they bring in lights. And, and the, these girls are around the hotel property for two weeks. It, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know what's going on. And so what, what we've done is a culture has said, well, you know, there's certain things we ignore. And this is something that this is something we have ignored and we're, we're having to see it up close because we, you know, we're, we're bringing lawsuits against companies like uh, Fortress, some of the biggest, you know, money lenders in the country. And because we're following, where is the money going and how, how, how is all this being supported? And so, you know, it's hard for us to focus on that. As, it, as I say, it's even tougher for corporate media to tell the stories because a lot of the folks we're going after are their advertisers. Mm. One of the descriptions uh, in your novel in terms of what has befallen um, some of the young women from other countries who have been sucked into this uh, is describing this process of luring them into this human trafficking industry as the classic bait and switch. Mm. Uh, mm. Explain uh, what is behind those uh, kind of troubling words? In, in what ways does this often play out as a classic bait and switch uh, to get people to be part of this? Yeah, a major portion of the book uh, in human trafficking focuses on the idea that that you have corp you have companies that go to places like the Ukraine and they recruit women and they say, how would you like to be in the service industry working in the United States? These are visa workers. They come in under H2B. They come in uh, with a visa, to, a visa to be able to work here for a year or two years. So they bring them into the country and they put them in a place that looks legitimate at first. They take their passport. They, they take basically everything that gives them the kind of freedom they need in the United States and say, let, let me keep let me keep this for you. And we'd like you now to be a we'd like you to be a, a working in our restaurant. Maybe you're a greeter in our restaurant. Within two weeks, they say, you know, you could probably make more money if you worked over here at the strip club that we also own as a greeter. And then after they work as a greeter, they say it's called the step up. It's called a step up, Greg. It's a process that they use. It's we see it all the time. And then they say to them, well, you know, you could make more money if you'll work on the pole, if you'll take your clothes off and work as a stripper on the pole. And oh, by the way, two weeks later, Tom wants to meet you. He's been watching you on the pole. And once Tom gets a hold of her, that's it. The whole process is called a step up process. We see it all the time. Anyway, in the in the step up process, Greg, it's something that we see a time we see it constantly. And what the interesting thing about it is that all the information's out there for regulators with the with the uh, the idea of bringing in people on work visas. Once they're brought into the country, 
the, the government loses control of them. You understand that they're, they're assigned to a business and the business is responsible for taking care of that person. Well, they don't take care of them. There's so many instances where they actually move them from the Ukraine directly into human trafficking in the United States. That's only one small part of it. The main character who is, uh, going after these human traffickers uh, has uh, a deeply personal stake in the matter. I mean, he had a deep concern already, but uh, the way you have crafted this novel, he is going after them with a particular focus and passion because of a very personal connection. Ex explain to our listeners mm -hmm. yeah, uh, first aspect of, all, of the story. Yeah, the dynamics of that is it's kind of, it really kind of is a way of saying that he is really, typical of 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 most people in this country and that is until it affects them until they see it directly this is his goddaughter and all of a sudden this is a lawyer who has handled the biggest cases in the country for decades i mean virtually every major uh, every major lawsuit in the country for decades and in front of him is this thing and he has the talent to take it on he has the finances to take it on he's got the team to take it on but until it hits him until it says, this is my goddaughter that's been affected by this. It's, 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 it's so typical of how we look at everything. It's kind of a reptilian mind, Greg. It is, this, this doesn't affect me now, so I'm really not going to pay much attention to it. And we'd like to think that the majority of Americans don't have, our majority of people don't have that reptilian mind. But I mean, out of necessity, sometimes we develop that. And this is a lawyer who said, well, okay, I got to pay attention to this because this is family. He's an interesting character, and one of the things that is interesting about him is that uh, he emerged from a very difficult childhood in which, uh, as he says at one point, he, he made plenty of bad choices, but fortunately none that sabotaged his future, the way, of course, sometimes bad decisions can. Uh, describe to our listeners uh, the difficulty of his childhood and the way in which that resonates with him to the present day. Yeah, well, he was raised by by families uh, all over central Florida. He you know, there was uh, it was just a dysfunctional process where he just kind of had to, <laughs> he had to fight to get by. And I think it made him stronger. It first of all, it did two things, Greg. It, it gave him a sense of it gave him a sense of decency in this in, in, in this way. It gave him a sense of compassion. And he, 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 the people that took care of him were people that cared about him and people that, uh, that shaped his life in so many ways, you know, everywhere, everybody from ranchers to blue collar workers that, that, that he took all those parts and it made him emerge as a very strong individual. And I think that shows up in the cases that he's handled, you know, throughout the country, um, everything from the tobacco case to the opioid case to all these other pharmaceutical cases that seem impossible to handle on its face, but it made him who he is. And it, he, he's, he's perfect for what's ahead of him in the human trafficking saga. One thing that is interesting is that very early in the novel, we see him in a sense out in the field doing the kind of work that we would never imagine an attorney does and actually putting himself in, 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 in grave uh, physical peril. I mean, the kind of thing that we typically imagine uh, law enforcement officers engaging in. Uh, is that, uh, in a sense, poetic license for the sense of making this truly a legal thriller 
with emphasis on thriller? Or is that sometimes the work that attorneys do when you are taking on these kind of issues? In this situation, he found, he, he, he discovered that he could get no help. He could get no meaningful help. And sometimes I think that this character, Deke, has always understood that he'll try to work within the bounds of the law, but then sometimes you can't because the bounds of the law don't allow him to be the person that he needs to be. And he doesn't allow, it doesn't allow him to, to help in the way that he's capable of helping. Each one of the books that I've written, there is a scene like that. Uh, and and it's, not, it, it's not completely uh, fiction. I mean, I've known lawyers who've put their lives completely on the line. I mean, absolutely on the line on things. Now, we're not, I'm not talking about auto 1-800, you know, give me a call when you've been in an auto. These are lawyers who handle the biggest projects on the planet, literally on the planet. Everything from, uh, you know, every, everything from one case that I'm involved with right now that we'll be test casing, we'll be trying, is the, the terrorism case where we're, we discover that banks all over the world are, are washing money for terrorism. Okay. Now the lawyers who choose to do that say, yeah, there's some risk to that, but I'm going to do it. And I, I think, again, that's one of those stories that people don't understand that you've got, you got, you got lawyers that stretch the bounds every day to do the right thing. And, and, and Deke in this, in, in this series of books does it almost every book. And you, you walk away saying, eh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether I would have done that. <laughs> so he's quite a com- he's quite a compelling character, and uh, I uh, appreciate the energy that he gives to this story. In our last minute or so, what do you see as necessary in order for us to more effectively crack down on the human trafficking industry? Department of Justice has to do their job. Okay. They just have to do their job. They need to start. You see, we look at the world this way. If, if, a, if a criminal is in an Armani suit, Rolex watch on their arm, drives a Bentley, we don't even look at that person as a criminal, okay? Mm-hmm. The criminals in this saga are at the very top of the pyramid. And we have to start looking at them the same way we look at a child on the street corner selling four ounces of marijuana. And we may throw that we may throw that teenager in prison for the rest of their lives. OK, we have as a culture, we have to regroup on how we think about uh, how justice should take place in America. Mike uh, Papantonio is senior partner of Levin Papantonio, one of the country's largest plaintiff law firms, and uh, he is the author of a number of books, including the co-author of this brand new legal thriller called Inhuman Trafficking, published by Skyhorse. Mike uh, Papantonio, thank you for joining me today on The Morning Show to talk about your book and also, of course, about this very, very important uh, issue. Thank you so much. Thank you, Greg.